Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. There is certainly a question, who will go? Who will give? And this morning, unapologetically, we're going to preach a message about giving, the lifestyle of giving. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. You're visiting with us, and you go, see, I knew it. All those preachers do is just preach on giving. They want our money. Well, obviously, you would be new here because this is my first message this year of 2022 about giving. And we are in the month of October. So uh, you just happen to be here on a Sunday. The Lord has led us to preach a message here about giving. I have entitled this morning's message, The Lifestyle of Giving. It's a teaching message. And it's designed to help us consider what God would have us to do in our personal finances. And we're going to explore uh, the biblical concept of faith promise or stewarding our finances. And we need to begin with the definition. Here is the question. What is stewardship? What is giving of my finances? What does that mean? Well, when we go to the Bible, and we know that the New Testament was written in Greek, and there's the word steward. The word steward is uh, oikonomos. It's a Greek word. Oikos means house, and nomos means manager. So a steward is a house manager or a caretaker. And in biblical times, we understand that wealthy people, they had stewards or house managers who managed their homes and their children and their finances. Joseph, in the Old Testament, he was called an overseer. It's another word for steward. He was a, an overseer or steward in Potiphar's house. And of course, we know what happened to him. He ended up uh, in that job, and he ended up in prison because he was such an honorable man and what he would not do with Potiphar's wife. Genesis 39 and verse 6 says this, He left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Uh, Potiphar, at one time, trusted Joseph so much he didn't even know what was in his bank account. All he knew is he had food on his table. Paul said he and the other uh, apostles were stewards of the mysteries of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 17 and Colossians 1 and verse 21, Paul spoke of his ministry uh, as a steward. He spoke of stewardship often. In 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse number 10, it says that we're to use our spiritual gifts as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Well, folks, we're finishing our annual missions conference. What a week it was. And if you were only here last Sunday morning, you still received a blessing hearing from our missionaries. We heard from almost 50 missionaries by way of video thanking us for our faithfulness in praying and giving supporting the work of missions and it was a blessing to hear from so many I and I thank you for your feedback we had amazing feedback from you and at the end of this service we're going to ask you to participate by placing this faith promise card Shelly and I we talked about what we're going to do this year and uh, in all of our years of giving we've never gone backwards a single year 
because God's always met that faith promise. And okay, we'll give a little bit more next year on top of what we've been giving. And at the end of this service, just like others have already turned in and placed their cards here on the, uh, on the platform, we will all have the opportunity to take our card. Our name's not on anywhere, just a dollar amount that by faith we're going to give to missions. In other words, we're going to be stewards in our finances about missions. But before we do this, I think it would be prudent that we have a teaching message about giving and the importance of giving. What is faith promise giving? What is stewardship? What is tithing? I like this practical definition. Stewardship is the management of my God-given resources for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Stewardship, what it is, it's the management of my God-given resources for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Folks, whenever we give to missions, we're benefiting someone else because they hear about Jesus and how that Jesus can change their life. We have our text passage in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. I'd like to read the first four verses if you'll follow along this morning. Now concerning the collection, oh man, we hate that word, collection, offerings, ah, here we go. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now verse number two is a critical verse. For all of us to understand this morning. If you've been a Christian a long time. Verse 2. Something that I trust you've been practicing for many years. You're a new Christian. You say I, I hear about giving. But is it in the word of God? Why don't we observe the Sabbath? Well we don't observe the Sabbath. Because we're not Jews. Paul taught us. He was trying to break tradition from the law. And it comes right here on the, on this, uh, uh, in this verse, verse number 2, why we meet on Sunday. Many have asked, why don't we meet on Saturday? Uh, is, uh, is Sunday the Sabbath? Um, lots of questions. Verse number 2 answers a lot of those questions. The Bible simply says this, upon the what day? First day. Is Sunday the first day? Yes, it is. Upon Sunday of every week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. That there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them uh, uh, will I send to bring you liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Father, would you give me permission to be able to preach your word in a manner which all of us can understand, accept, and not chafe. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will help each one of us in our own heart right now to willingly receive this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we speak of different terminologies called stewardship, giving, faith promise, tithing, offerings. And um, in the Bible, there are some 277 verses on believing. In the Bible, there are 340 verses on prayer. In the Bible, there are 518 verses on the topic of love. Oh, I'm about to upset all of you. In the Bible, there's 1,439 verses on giving. That's more than all, that's more than prayer and believing and love. That's more than all of them put together. 
1,439 verses on the topic of giving. This past week was our annual missions conference, and so I know that the majority of you understand why I'm in particularly preaching this message. However, let me tell you why I'm not preaching this message on this volatile subject that sometimes it makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. First of all, I am not preaching this message on giving because the church is having money issues or money problems. On the contrary, God's blessings are greater now than perhaps in the history of our church. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a giving people. Now, that means that many of you are giving, but that also means statistically there's a lot of people in disobedience this morning. Because with a number this size of church members, just statistically, we know that not everyone gives. But God is blessing us through those who are faithful. Second of all, I am not preaching this message because I desire a raise. I am quite satisfied with what God has given me. We have learned to live within our means, and I have been blessed, and Shelly and I have been blessed far more than we deserve. Third, I am not preaching this message because we desire to buy a Learjet. Unlike some ministries that we've heard about where a pastor will own five or six houses and a jet, we are not preaching this message. We have no desire to go into that type of business. I'm also not preaching this message because we desire to open a Christian theme park. We'll allow that to be for other people. With these misconceptions cleared up, let me tell you a couple reasons why we are in particularly this Sunday preaching on the topic, a lifestyle of giving. First of all, it's my job as a pastor to teach you all of God's Word. Amen? I do not have the luxury of skipping over parts that may be offensive to some. Paul, talking to the church of Ephesus and talking to the leadership in the church of Ephesus, he said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God, the things that you like to hear, the things that you don't like to hear. Another reason um, uh, uh, to preach on this is because we did just complete annual missions conference, and we need to have a greater understanding of how we support missionaries. Most of the complaints that I hear when a pastor preaches on giving is from people who don't give. That's simply a true statement. When someone gets upset about the pastor preaching on giving, it's almost invariably 100% from people who are not faithful in giving as God is taught. Another reason that I think is important to address this topic of, of giving is not to bless the church, but do you understand there's blessings for you? And when you are a giver. And many of you uh, do not know these principles because they haven't been put into practice. You're a new Christian or you simply have never gotten on board when it comes to giving. I'm so thankful for Philippians 4 and verse number 17. Paul wrote this. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek that fruit may abound to your account. Do you know one of the reasons you give is that fruit may abound to my account or to your account. Stewardship is a miracle in the making. Repeatedly, God promised that if you will put him first in your finances, that you will not lack his blessings. Tithing and stewardship and faith promises and offerings. Guess what? It works. I can tell you over and over again, it 
works. God has truly given us all so much. We are filthy rich compared to the rest of the world. We're spoiled beyond belief. Let me illustrate this. Yesterday, we were on our way back. We took our salt. Uh, uh, that's our senior adults. We had a great time. We took a couple of days, and we went up to the Grand King just to view the amazing nature that God has created. If you've been there, you could certainly, uh, certainly uh, put an, uh, affirm it, make that an affirmation that the Grand King is amazing. We took our senior citizens. We had 42 of us. Over half had never been to the Grand Canyon and live in this state. It was wonderful. On the way back, we didn't have air conditioning in our bus and we had to have three of our guys get the church vans and take the vans up there and meet us along the way because our senior citizens had to have air conditioning and we uh, the, uh we, uh, we we took 30 some off of that bus put them in air conditioned vans just so they could make it back to tucson the rest of us we were in the sauna and it was almost 100 degrees in the bus. But we made it. But we had 30 spoiled, rotten, senior adults that could not drive from Phoenix on a bus because they had to have air conditioning. Oh, we are filthy rich and we're spoiled beyond means. God has given us so much. Oh, my time's slipping by. Let me give you seven things. Seven thoughts really quick this morning. You take notes. Perhaps consider this for the future. Seven reasons we give. Reason number one, we give in obedience. Reason number one, we give in obedience. Now, number one uh, point is going to take a little bit longer, and I'll, I'll hasten through. The other is uh, we'll get through here in, in time, so don't worry about the clock. We're going to do this together. It's going to be okay. But I want to develop the first reason in a great way. We give in obedience. Now, in the Old Testament, we learn in the Old Testament that God demanded a tithe. A tithe. A tithe is a tenth or 10% of a person's income that was dedicated back to God. Abraham, he presented a tithe of the spoils of war of Melchizedek, uh, God's priest in Genesis chapter 14. Jacob, upon his safe return, a promised God of all that you gave me, I will surely give a tenth uh, to you. Under the Mosaic law, Israel was required to give the tithe in support of the Levites and the priests. And through the tithe, they supported orphans and widows and foreigners. And agriculturally, the first fruits of the crops were offered back as a tithe to the Lord. In Malachi chapter 3, the Lord said this, Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. By Jesus' day in the New Testament, the religious leaders, they had added many traditions to God's law of the tithe. And Jesus he even rebuked them in Luke chapter 11. He said this, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue of all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. The, uh, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, they were adding to what was the requirement. But in the New Testament... And some of you are going to be so excited to hear this. Would you listen carefully? Do you know this? And I've studied it. And some of you told me this. And uh, because you, you're like gleefully when you, when you tell me this. Pastor, we went through your starting point class. And you said in starting point that you should still give a tithe. And you should still give missions. And, and, and then almost with hands like this, you say, Pastor, in all of the New Testament, it does not say one place that you're to give a tenth of your income. Do you know 
you're right. The Bible does not say in the New Testament, in the church age, it does not specify a percentage. In fact, in, in, in the, our text passage that we read this morning, verse number two, it just simply says this. On the first day, let each one of you lay something aside. Do you see a percentage in that? It does not give a percentage. Under the Old Testament law, people were required to tie. Let me ask you a question. Do we live under the Old Testament law? Absolutely we do not. And we can say praise Jesus that we do not live under the Old Testament law. But in the New Testament, living in this age of grace, the Bible, in the New Testament, in the church age, we are not required to give 10% or any other percentage. It does not require us to give a percentage. Now many of you just said, whew, that 20 bucks I throw in here and there, that's good enough. And that was your thought. I'm absolved. But here's a profound thought for you. My friend, if you name Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have any understanding of the gospel message, if you understand what you have been saved from, I want you to listen carefully. How can we, who no longer live under the law, who live in this beautiful age of grace and are recipients of God's immeasurable grace, give less than those who lived under the great restraints of the law? And I would challenge anyone to give me an argument of why we should give less than those who lived under the great restraints of the law. Friend, we should give more than 10%. And I'm thankful for those who do give of their tithe and their faith promise. And whenever we mention that there's a need, you give an offering to meet that need, and you do it through your local church. You are doing exactly what Paul and Peter and James and John and Luke taught us to do. All right, you say, well, okay, pastor, how much should I give? How much should we give? Some believers, they stick rigidly with the tithe. And others see the tithe as legalism and realize that under grace they are no longer bound to the law. Yet this often becomes a poor excuse uh, when it comes to your stewardship. Galatians says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. God wants each one of us to give so that we, if you're not giving, start where you are today. Start somewhere. In our text, let each one of you lay something aside. And though the tithe is a good rule of thumb, start somewhere today. But friend, let me tell you this. We live in the age of grace. And we no longer live under the law, and we should not give less than those who lived under the law. C.S. Lewis said this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Peter Marshall said this, give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. That's convicting. How much you give is certainly between you and God. You ought to ask him. Believe me, he'll guide you. However, a Christian who does not give, regardless of age, is not in obedience to the Lord. May I say that again? A Christian who does not give, regardless of your spiritual age, is not in obedience to the Lord. You do not have permission not to give if you're a child of God. Now, quickly, let me give you the other six. Not only do we give in obedience, that's the First and foremost, that's the foundation, but we give in worship. 
One of the reasons that I give is in worship. Throughout Scripture, when God's people came to worship Him, they always brought something in their hands to give. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, David, he built an altar to God on what was called a threshing floor. The owner of the site there, he offered to give the threshing floor to David. David said this, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. When we come to church to worship Him, there should be something in our hand to give back to Him. Likewise, we should not merely worship with that which cost us nothing to sing and pray and lift up our hands to God while selfishly holding back our resource. It is an incomplete worship. And even for those who practice good stewardship, writing a check can just become routine. Remember, I'm giving to the Lord. Reason number three I give, we give in gratitude. Folks, if you've been saved, aren't you thankful what God has saved you from? I'm so thankful that I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I'm so thankful that Jesus gave his life for me. How can I not help but give back to him in gratitude? Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 10, freely you have received, freely give. I would encourage you to circle that verse in your notes there. Jesus said that, not Pastor Armstrong, freely You've received my salvation freely. You've received eternal life freely. You have received, therefore, freely give. God's given me salvation. He's given me an abundant life. He's given me a home in heaven. He's given me a home on this earth. He's given me a family and a ministry and friends and a church. He's given me a wonderful future. Everything I have is a gift from him. How can I withhold from him? Amen? How can I do that? Psalm 107. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Again, in Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. I wonder, do you give out of gratitude for your salvation and everything else that's been given to you? Number four, we give in faith. Here's where faith promise comes in. We give in faith. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Giving is a touchy subject to us because we so often walk by sight and not by faith. I know it is hard to give. Few of us today have expendable income. Now listen, I want everyone to listen here. You might say this, Pastor, Pastor Armstrong, I, I agree with you. I want to give, but I just Listen carefully, but pastor, I just don't have any extra money. That's just the point, folks. I'm not talking about your extra money. God doesn't want, God doesn't need your extra money. He doesn't want you to give what's left over. He wants you to give off the top. He wants you to trust him for what's left over after you've given back to him. Don't make the mistake of thinking, oh, well, listen, 10% belongs to God and 90% belongs to me. Everything you have, all of it belongs to God. Everything. Abraham didn't have a son to spare, but he trusted God. And in faith, he took his son on top of the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice to the Lord. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 12 says this, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. So I believe if you trust God and that you can go further and do more with 90% than your 100%, there has to be an action step of faith in our giving. Number five, listen, we give in joy. We give in joy. Don't you understand your Bible? You see, Paul wrote about this. In the letter to his second letter to the book of uh, in the book of Corinthians to the church of Corinth uh, in chapter nine verse six seven and eight here's a little phrase God loves a what kind of giver cheerful giver cheerful comes from a Greek word and we get the word hilarious from um, God loves a person who gives with joy coming out of their heart not grudgingly not of necessity, not sparingly. God loves a cheerful giver. I've met some cheerful givers in my life, and you know what? I've never met a cheerful giver that said, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have helped. I wish I wouldn't have given. God wants us to come to him gladly giving our sacrifices because we fully trust him to meet our needs. Number six, we give in love. I give in love because of my heavenly father and what he's done, but I also give in love because I understand there's a lost and dying world. And without my shekels, without my dollars, people are dying and going to hell, and it could be those shekels or dollars are used to, to buy a gospel track, to keep a missionary on the field, to put gasoline in a missionary's Jeep over in Africa so he can get to the next village so he can tell someone about Jesus. Would you listen to me carefully? It's easy to get distracted by those things going on around us. But please listen to this. We always have money for what we love. There should be a groan right there. Because that's a very convicting thought. We always have money for what we love. I'm not trying to be funny, but if you love cheesecake, you have money to go to Cheesecake Factory. If you love hunting, you always have money for bullets and guns and all the latest things. If you love shopping, it's amazing how you always have money for shopping. And you love this thing or that thing, it's amazing how we always have money for what we love. May I ask you a question? Should we not love him far more than any earthly thing? Therefore, we should give in love. Finally, we give in blessing. We give in blessing. You see, when we give, we bless other people. When you give to God through your church, you bless pastors and missionaries and teachers of the word. Allow me to share with you what Paul wrote to young Timothy. He said this, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and that the laborer is worthy of his reward. The Bible teaches that it is only right that those who serve in the ministry should be financially supported by the ministry and that we have a responsibility to be faithful with the Word of God. And I want to say something very clearly with an exclamation point this morning. May God bless you for your faithful support of the pastors and staff here at Tucson Baptist Church. Thank you.
you will be blessed. Throughout the New Testament, we see the example of churches going to support missionaries, and I believe we've done a good job. Oh, we could do more. Make no mistake, we could do more. Shelly and I, we're going to do our best to do more this year, and we're taking a step of faith. And our step of faith won't be the same as yours. Ours is a, is a big car payment that we're saying. We want to support three missionaries through our, uh, three of our missionaries. We want to support them. It's going to be a big step of faith. God will meet the need. It'll come from somewhere, or we'll, we'll sell one of our grandchildren. It'll come from somewhere. It'll happen. It's going to happen. We're taking that step of faith. But when we give, God blesses us. Oh, we'll bless others, but when we give, God blesses us. You know, we have always been blessed. I'm not preaching a name it and claim it prosperity theology this morning. I'm not saying that if you start giving 10% or more of your income that God will make you wealthy. I'm not wealthy. But here's the thing. Every year we've been able to give our faith promise. And every year we've been able to give a tenth back to the Lord. Every year we've been able to give offerings and for camp and offerings for Awana. And we just keep giving and God keeps giving. And God keeps blessing. What I am trying to do is develop spiritual maturity. If you will follow the advice of the Word of God that's been delivered to you this morning through your pastor, I promise you, you'll be blessed. I give, and God blesses. And I want you to remember that I'm not, I am not bothered at all by preaching on giving. I could preach on giving once a month, and it would never bother me. It would bother you, but it won't bother me. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. Give. And it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over with all, put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Whoa. For the same measure that you use, Jesus with his own mouth said, it will be measured back to you. Paul was teaching the church of Corinth, the church that had lots of issues and lots of problems, and he even said this very directly. I mean, Paul had a backbone of steel. I, some of the things that Paul said, I'd be afraid to say because I think I'd be looking for a job tomorrow. Paul said this, He who sows sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. God will bless you. You can't make sense of it on a ledger book or in your Excel spreadsheet. There's no mathematic formula to explain how that Shelly and I are going to come up with our faith promise this year. Somehow it's going to happen, and we're going to give, and we're going to support missionaries. However, the truth is that you will never miss what you give to God. You're never going to miss what you give to God. One believer explained it this way. As I shovel it out, he shovels it in. And the Lord has a bigger shovel. Now, you could put up your notes except for your faith promise card. If you'll take that out, that's between you and the Lord. Your name should not be on it anywhere. You could close your Bible, and, and if you're used to going to a Baptist church, well, uh, we, we didn't have an introduction, three points, and a conclusion. I had seven points this morning, and we're not going to have an invitation per se. In just a moment, though, we're going to receive these, but I want you to close your Bible, take everything, uh, put everything up except for this card. We'll hold on to that. But I'd like to give you an illustration that I hope will make sense to you this morning. I'm so thankful for grandchildren. Grandparents, isn't it great having grandchildren? It is. We're 
blessed to have eight grandchildren. We have three who live here, and you get to see them right here on our campus, Raylan, Emery, and Friendly, and they're growing up, and you have an impact on them. They see you uh, and how you treat them and how they treat you. They're going to grow up right here in our ministry, and it's a thrill to see our grandchildren love coming to church, can't wait to go to church. But in my office, they've learned to come to my office, and Brindley, Emery, and and, and, and Brindley, they'll come to my office. Let me talk about, let me talk about Raylan for just a moment. This is Raylan. She, uh, she's, she is my little buddy, and so she, she loves talking to me and, and asks a million questions just like her dad. <laughs> but, she'll come, but she'll come into my office, and in my office there's a cabinet, and it has, a, and it has some fruit snacks in it. And, and there's, there's like a, a six or seven fruit snacks, and, and so they'll come in, and the two twins, they're not quite strong enough to open the cabinet, and they'll just stand point at it. Raylan will come in and, Papa, can I have a snack? And, and, uh, and of course, uh, grandpas are always going to say, can I have a snack? Of course she can. And she'll open it, and she'll get out one of these. And she'll try to open it. She's not quite there yet where she can open it, but sometimes she'll get it perfect and she can rip it open. But, but oftentimes she'll bring it over to me and she'll say, uh, Papa, can you open it? And, and, I'll, and I'll open it up and I'll open it like that. And, and she'll start in and, she, and she'll have like, there's like eight of them in here or something. And, and she'll just start eating them and she loves them. She'll sit down in the chair of my office and then the other two get theirs. And, and, um, and it's so cute. And by the way, your children are always welcome. Several of you have learned the little secret too and you bring your children by. You're always welcome to bring your children by. There'll always be a snack for them. Um, it's not the principal's office. You're not in trouble if you come to the pastor's office, okay? You adults, if you want a snack, no. The children, all right. So. But Raylan, she'll come in. Oh, I've done this for, for two years. For two years I've done this. Now, I don't want you to miss the significance of what I'm about to share with you. Everyone... Look this way. She'll take one, and she's about to put it in her mouth, and I'll say, Raylan, can Papa have one? Guess what she says? No, Papa, these are mine. Every time. And I'll reach for one. I say, well, I'll just go ahead and get one out. And then she physically, she'll turn, hold them close to her, away from Papa. I'm not allowed to have any of her fruit snacks. Can you relate to that? And without fail, for two years she's been saying, no, I'm not allowed to have any of her fruit snacks. They're mine. Initially, I recoiled. Oh, I probably shouldn't steal her snack. And then I started thinking about it. Wait a second. She doesn't know this. I am the source of the snacks. <laughs> she would not have one of these if it wasn't for Papa. <laughs> now listen carefully, you're laughing. Doesn't she know this? Papa could rain down snacks. <laughs> I have the ability to give her all the snacks in the world. Do you get it? 
It's God who's given us the fruit snacks. God says, hey, just one. Who are you? I'm the one who worked hard to get these. And we physically turn away from the God of heaven, and yet he's the one who can rain down on us. Folks, I'm not trying to be offensive, but we're selfish. By the way, don't judge Raylan. <laughs> Every one of us, we do that to God. Every one of us. <gasps> no, don't, no, no, no. Don't take. That's mine. It's mine. Apart from God, we have nothing. 